tonight, uh, we're talking about why. Just why. Lots of different reasons why. And so, like, I mean, if you really think about it throughout your life, you're going to have to answer the question why. Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, I had a job that did not quite pay well enough, and I was miserable, and I hated it. And I remember asking myself, I literally took like a couple weeks and asked myself why. Well, unfortunately, it was the only real job I could find in Chadron. And so I had to work it in order to pay for my bills. And so, um, so I had to continue with that job. And so the means was I needed the money and the ends was I'm just going to put up with it and be miserable. And so sometimes the why you ask why and sometimes the answer isn't easy. Um, other times I remember. I changed my major in college like 15 times. But the first time I remember changing my major and I remember asking myself, why am I doing this? Why am I a pre-med major? And my reasoning and, and the only reason I could really come up with as to why I had chosen pre-med was because it was almost expected of me to choose a career that was well-paying. And this is going to be awesome tonight. <laughs> why? Why? Um, and, and, and I really, the only reason I was in that major was because I felt like it was expected of me more than that I actually wanted to do it. Like I wanted to help people, but really like why pre-med, why the medical field? It was for money. And ultimately I chose that that wasn't a good enough reason. Money wasn't a good enough reason for me to be miserable. And so, um, and so the why just didn't make sense. It didn't work out. And so I had to ask, ask myself those questions along the way. This is really going to be awesome. And so tonight, like, I want you to take a second and really think about why you're here at, at Chi Alpha and take a little longer answering that question while I get this thing to reload. And so sometimes that answer is uh, a sense of obligation. It's expected of you as a Christian. Um, are you here because you want to be here? Are you here to get closer to Christ? Maybe you don't really know why you're here. Um, but no matter what your reason is, and I'm not going to ask you guys to answer it out loud because I don't need to know that. That's between you and God, really, ultimately. But I can tell you as, as the pastor of Chi Alpha, as the director of Chi Alpha, the reason I'm here is because I genuinely hope that you guys are taking your walk with Christ seriously. And so I'm here so that I can help assist you get closer to Jesus. And then hopefully because of the fact that you're taking your walk with Christ seriously, that there will be at times new people who've never really heard the gospel presented. And so an opportunity for me, me or, or an opportunity for Chi Alpha to share the gospel with people who aren't Christian and to share why, why we believe the way we believe. What is it? Why do we as Christians believe what we believe? And so I really do Chi Alpha and the real, the whole real reason why I'm, I've dedicated my life to Chi Alpha is in the hopes of sharing the gospel with non-Christians to share with them why I believe in Jesus. And I, and I would hope that you guys would want to be motivated by the same reasons. And so 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And so Paul in this verse, is he's really talking about his personal motivation for why he is a missionary why he travels around spreading the gospel and enriches churches that already exist um, and, and why he's really doing what he's doing. 
And so for each person, each one of us in here, our motivation is going to be a little bit different. And Jordan, I know he's been coming for longer than everybody but Matt in here and then me. Um, you know, his motivation for why he comes is probably going to be a little bit different than mine just because we have different personalities, we have different career choices. Um, our motivations are going to be different. Donovan, your motivation is going to be a little bit different. And so the motivation for why we do things like a teenager working and babysitting on the weekends in order to raise money to get a new phone, there's a certain drive there that comes with that versus the leader of the, of the United States of why he might send our troops over to Ukraine for a war his reasoning for why he's doing things, his why for why he's doing things and why he's the president. There's a certain motivation that comes with that. And so the, the, the reason for why the president has become the president is probably a little bit deeper core of a why than the babysitter who's just babysitting for a new phone. And so in order to get to that position, his why had to be a little bit bigger. And so without the right motivation, we're not really going to make any progress because if the babysitter, the teenage babysitter, starts facing some adversity, how quickly are they going to quit their job babysitting? Probably pretty quick. Versus the president, how quickly is the president going to quit their, quit their job just because of adversity? Their why in order to get there was a lot bigger than the why of the, the babysitter. And so us, if we're going to find a motivation for Chi Alpha and we're going to find a motivation for why we're here, why we share about Jesus, we've got to determine our why to a level that convinces us to continue to grow and to, to continue to strive towards Jesus. And so if my heart towards Christ, my, my reasoning for why I do Chi Alpha is because oh, I, it's just a paycheck, I can tell you that I would not be the director of Chi Alpha anymore. It is not worth how little amount of pay I get in order to be the director of Chi Alpha. But my motivation comes from a place of I really believe in heaven and hell. I really believe in Jesus, and I have had my life transformed when I was in college for Christ. And so it's worth taking literally half the money that I could have made in any other career field doing pretty much anything else in my life. It's worth taking a lot less money in order to have the opportunity to fully invest in students' lives. And so my why is big enough to to get me through the adversity of something simple like not having quite enough money for stuff. And so our why has to be bigger than our surroundings. And so tonight I want everybody to open your Bible, your phone, whatever you're using for your Bible, your pocket testament, to John 10. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes one, two, three, eight, eight, eight nine, and ten. then ten. Yes. And then it goes one, two. <laughs> no. <laughs> John, Matthew ten, no, just John ten, uh, seven through eighteen. Struggling with it, bro. Yeah. Got you. All right. It says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find a pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. What do you take from this passage, Jordan? That, I mean, that thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he comes to give life, ultimately. So which one are you going to choose? Yeah, for sure. What about you, Desi? Yeah, the part that really stuck out to me is that he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then um, when it was talking about... Oh, um, and I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also. And then listen to my voice. It's not just necessarily, I guess, the ones who are saved, but also he cares for all of us. So the context of that, just so you know, is he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. But yes, also that too. Let's keep going around. Um, the one verse, I guess, that stuck out to me was, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So I guess God's gift is salvation to us. It's just a big picture of what he did. That's good. So it's like how he was, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own sheep, and they know me. The good shepherd knows, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Um, kind of like, and I feel like that could also be a warning, like if you don't know Christ, then you're not known by him. Matt, what about you? I was on top of the bushes, you know, I'm the good shepherd. <laughs> I don't know, it almost stuck out to me. I, I just, I mean, if he lays his life down, you know, his own accord, then he has the power to do it. So yeah. if he didn't do it begrudgingly or, or, uh, yeah, to drag him, kick him and scream, and he did it. Right. And it's just kind of a sign and symbol of his love for us. Right, it wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah, and in 13, it introduces the idea of a higher land, though. He doesn't have that investment, that care for the sheep. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that. He's like the babysitter example you have, you know. He is, he's not concerned by gathering the sheep and rescuing them. Right. So. Exactly. That's kind of my big take from it, too, is is uh, he talks about the importance of the hireling versus him because a hireling is just going to take care of the animals, but as soon as the wolf comes, they're going to peace out and let the wolf do whatever because they're not going to risk their lives for something that they're just getting paid for. And so um, the good shepherd, Jesus, on the other hand, he takes care of his flock, but he's also willing to put his own life in order to keep them safe. And so Christ's love for us, as, as we've kind of gone around and each of us saw that presented within this scripture, it shows pretty clearly that he chose, as Matt said, he chose to lay down his life for us. He chose to come to earth at the same accord, not only 
as, as a human, he also chose to come to earth too. And so he has the motivation to save us. He chooses us. And so Jesus died for you. He died for me. He died for each one of us. And so I think it's, it's important to kind of hold on to that. So Jesus is why. So why did Jesus die? Ask yourself that. Why did Jesus choose? Because if he chose to, to end his life, or not end his life, but chose to, to be tortured and killed and put to death, if he chose that, chose to put down his life, why did he choose that? What is his motivation? Save your sheep. Why? Because he loved them. You know, that's the picture I get with the flock thing again, because obviously, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have seen that, but my dad used to have sheep, and so we used to go out there and dad would go, hey, yell, yell to them, say, here, sheep, and I'd yell as a kid, and they would never come. But as soon as he'd say, hey, sheep, they'd all turn their heads like this and just sprint as fast as I could. Yep. And so, and he knew which ones were which. Like, he, I don't know how you could tell the difference in half of them. But Yeah. So, I think that it's kind of a prime example. So. Exactly. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking about bread. And he's like, he's telling, talking about the bread from heaven. And, and they're thinking about real bread. And he said, yeah, I have bread that you know nothing about. And my bread is that do the will of my father. And I think that that's almost his main motivation in him going to the cross is that it was fulfillment of obedience to, to his father. That his whole life was fulfillment of obedience to his father. That was the culmination of it in his glorification. And so, I mean, and obviously we are benefactors of that. By it. And so he did it for us too. But I think I think there was um, I think the fulfilling the will and doing carrying out the will of his father was always Christ, the heart of Christ. And, uh, his main purpose on this earth and to show us how to do that. Yeah. And I don't really know if it's um, well, see it goes hand in hand, but the verse where it says, in 17 and 18, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. It just makes me think of you talking about that was his purpose, that that was like, it's just so important. It strikes me every time where it says, no one can take it from me. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's taking his life. He's laying it down for us. Like it was a willingness thing. What he did is a sign of his identity. No one else could do that. Well, he says that to people throughout the Bible. Like, don't you think he said it to Satan in the desert? Don't you think I call, or Satan told him to call down his angels? <laughs> he says, I don't need that. You know, I'm doing this instead of the pilots. Like, I don't you think I could call down legions of angels now? And then when they were arresting him, he said to his disciples, don't you think I could call down legions of angels? Don't you understand? I could avoid this if I wanted to easily and annihilate my enemy on this earth in the flesh. But that is not the purpose. That's why he said, get behind me, Satan, when we turn to Peter. Because Peter had the thoughts and ideas of Satan, was expressing the thoughts and ideas of Satan, or Satan was using Peter to express his own thoughts through the mouth of St. Peter. Or, you know, not that Peter was possessed, but Peter had allowed worldly ambitions to get into his mind at that moment. Because that's how you can go from one moment saying, Peter, you're the rock in which I built this church, and then saying, get behind me, Satan. Is that two different thoughts were coming out of Peter's mouth <laughs> consecutively, or back to right. back. And so, yeah. yeah, it was, Christ had 
tunnel vision almost. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but. Right. Is, uh, I saw something this week, totally off topic, but uh, it was talking about how, how well Satan knows us. And it said, how ironic that the two very first temptations that we see about in Scripture where we know what Satan is tempting is Adam and Eve with fruit and then Jesus with bread. He knows us. We, we want food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was so great because I was like, wow. <laughs> Taco truck. <laughs> well, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> He's got tacos. Bro. Uh, dude, food, man. But that's also one of the reasons. And so, and then reverse of that is, why fasting is so powerful is because the first way that, that Satan tempts us, it's almost like a uh, showing that we're in control even over what sa- Satan is tempting us. And it was, anyway, he's trying to draw a correlation with the temptations. Satan's first temptations were with food. And then God calls us to fast and pray. And it's kind of a cool correlation and talk about the importance of fasting. We're not talking about fasting tonight but i will say just as a caveat caveat um like uh i've really started to uh, actually enjoy fasting this year and i've never really fasted uh food specifically i've always kind of like i i had fasted food a bit like whenever our church was doing something and we do a, like a three-day fast or whatever and i fast and i always just thought it was kind of pointless and so I started fasting other things like my phone and social media and stuff like that because those were things that were tangibly affecting my life. But um, this year, just kind of in my process of like, what is it going to take for me to get closer to Christ? You know, I kind of picked back up the, the idea of fasting food and going back towards fasting food and trying to figure out why we fast food and why why scripture, why Jesus was specifically talking about fasting food. And, and so I started to, to walk through the process of fasting again and and, uh, um, man, I can tell you that I have a new appreciation for it. I've, I feel like in the times in which I am fasting, my ability to hear from the Holy Spirit seems to be clearer than it has ever been before, specifically when I am fasting. And so I want to encourage you guys, just as I don't even know why I'm talking about this, this isn't part of what I was wanting to talk about, but if, if you need a breakthrough, like, and you can medically do it, um, I want to encourage you, like, fast and pray through it like and i'm not talking fast your phone i'm talking fast food and pray through it because um i don't know what it is i I really don't know i don't think scripture really talks i don't as much as i've learned about it i still don't feel like there is a definitive answer as to why fasting food helps us hear from the holy spirit and kind of gives empowerment the closest thing I can really find is that, that it's almost like the anti what Satan is tempting us with. And so it's like self-control and all this other stuff. But, um, but really like if you're, if you're seeking breakthrough, I want to encourage you start trying to fast and and fast a little bit longer each time. Um, but anyway, we can talk more about that another time, but, um, kind of going back to what we were talking about. Um, Paul basically he's, He's writing 2 Corinthians 5.14, as I shared earlier, that uh, it's the love of Christ that compels us. It's the love of Christ that compelled him 
to go and share the gospel. It's the love of Christ. If you want to go to fasting, it's the love of Christ compels us to not eat when everything medically they're saying is you need to eat a specific way in order to be healthy. And, and Jesus is saying that like, but anyway, um, the love of Christ is what compelled Paul to, to go and be jailed and to get tortured. There was times where they literally were prophesying over him and told him straight up, Paul, I have a prophecy. And then somebody else would say, Paul, I have a prophecy. Like if you go there, you will be beaten and you will be jailed. Don't go. And the Holy Spirit was like basically telling him, yeah, you're going to be beaten, jailed if you go there. And Paul still said, no, but like these people, like I have such a compassion for these people to find Christ. Like it is from the love of Jesus that he was willing to be beaten and tortured and jailed in order to share the gospel. And so the love of Christ compelled him. And it really comes back to that scripture, comes back to John 10. That is what Jesus's love is. That love is what should compel us to come to Chi Alpha, to to share the gospel with our friends and our family and the, the roommate, the sweet mate, the people out here in the lobby, like the love of Christ should compel us because Christ's love is so powerful that as Christians, it should compel us. And so if we are not driven by that love, if we're not driven by that love for the lost and instead we're driven by duty, and we feel like it's an obligation to share the gospel, if we feel like it's an obligation to make disciples, if we feel like it's an obligation to come to Chi Alpha on Tuesday nights or men's group or women's Bible study, whatever your guys' study is, like if it's out of a sense of duty, you're going to lose it. It's not going to be worth it because the duty, the, the sense of obligation that you have is not a powerful enough reason for us to really do anything once circumstances get hard enough. Because eventually, even the President of the United States, if he faces enough adversity, as we've seen in the past, we've seen kings and queens in the past who will face enough adversity and the right kind of adversity and they'll step down and they'll give down their throne. Kings of, of Europe in the past, just because they couldn't marry a specific person that they wanted to marry, that the love of that person could compel them to give down and give away the crown. And so the right circumstances, if we're not compelled for the right reason, it's going to cause us to drift away and to walk away from our faith. And so why? Why is a sense of duty and a sense of obligation not as powerful as the love of Christ, which compels us? Because the duty always has to do with us and what we can are capable of accomplishing. And we're never capable of accomplishing anything on our own, so without the compelling of his love for us mm -hmm. and what he shows us, it just comes down to us trying to do everything all the time. Right. Like I said, us trying to be a good Christian, it's not possible in our own abilities. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. What else? Well, everybody goes for what they love. I mean, if people love food, like you just said, if we love food, we go out of our way to get it. If we love, oh, I don't know, we say a nice car, a nice pair of shoes, we don't have the money, and it's what our heart desires, we, we find a way to do it. So if we have the love of Christ and love of God and love for God and love for Christ, true love, then I think we're going to go out of our way to figure out how to get that. 
can get to that. That's good. I've gone through struggles and like questioning faith and stuff. It's always been like that acceptance of God that I felt like knowing that I'm still safe in God's love and acceptance is the reason why that I keep on going. It's not because of an obligation, it's because like I have met him personally. Right. That relationship. Yeah. And that's also the reason why like I don't want my friends to go to hell. It's also the aspect of if it's something you feel like you're obligated to do, like you're not spreading the right message then. Like anybody you interact with, it's more of a I have to do this. And when it's a I have to do this, they're getting the complete wrong message of what God's love really is. And really, you're going to kind of shove it down their throat like that. The old adage goes, yeah, that's good. It's like presenting somebody with the lid of a garbage can. <laughs> I heard a wise man say, well, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> At our leadership meeting, she's, you wouldn't get it because you weren't there. Uh, the the I don't remember I don't even remember who told it I think it was Andy Estrella told me that um so what's your favorite food what's your favorite food uh I don't know pasta what kind of pasta dream like this is like elite level no cost uh, inhibited puffer fish no, I do like. I'm proud of some 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 good Alfredo. Alfredo, some like fresh cheese, fresh yeah. cream. Uh, All of They have to be cooked or? just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mushy, yeah. it's like yeah, well, pasta soup. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that, just perfectly al dente, yeah. just like top of the line, yeah. and it's got like the. Next level, are you having chicken or what kind of meats in it? Chicken, chicken? Yeah. a nice thin, chi- thin cooked chicken that had been uh, marinating for a couple days. Yeah, just nice and soft, and yeah, yeah like that's good, right? <laughs> so you're presented that that's a good dish, right? So what happens if you're presented it on a trash, a used trash can lid? Is it as appealing anymore? <laughs> it's the exact same food. What's different about it? Well, I have low standards. I'd probably get all the stuff on top. Yeah, that's true. And then think about the stuff that's in the lid. I'd be thinking about that one for a while. And then I'd see if anyone I, I, uh, thought well of me was in the room. Uh, <laughs> if not, I'm probably just going to finish it. You get over. the stuff on the top. You got keys down here. Right. It's, it's protected from the stuff it's on the bottom. It's too bad. It's too bad. It's like, oh. Dear. looking. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing, like, so when we think about Jesus, Jesus would be that pasta, that next level pasta. If it's presented on some next level chinaware, it makes it look even more appealing. But if it's presented on a trash can laden, so how we present Jesus does matter. And if we're presenting Jesus out of a sense of obligation, um, that's a good way to bring two and two together. I hadn't even thought of that. But, yeah, if, if we're sharing about Jesus because we feel like we're obligated, that's a trash can lid. That's not, that's not a real 
motivation. That's a prideful motivation. That's because, because I want to fulfill my sense of duty and my obligation so that I can feel good about myself. And so if your whole motivation is so you can feel good about yourself, you've missed the whole picture of what Jesus is talking about. And so if the, the, the love of Christ compels us to share the gospel and to come to Chi Alpha and to go to, to small group, if the, if the love of Christ compels us to do it, then now let's ask why the other way. Why do we skip it? Why do we choose not to share the gospel? Where does that come from? Not a good place. Usually. Usually has to do with fear or doubts or unbelief or... Fear. It's kind of like that truth project thing. It's that thought process behind. If you really believe what you say you believe, we would do things differently. So you say one thing, but yet we do a little different. I didn't even look at that. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Sold your sermon. <laughs> no, that's good. Sometimes a um, lack of full understanding too. Sometimes a lack of... Sometimes we have little pockets of our life that we continue to hold on to. Um, sometimes it's a lack of understanding of what God promises us. You know, I, I think sometimes we're you know, like, for example, you know, there was there was times when I was in college originally where if I skipped men's group or Chi Alpha or something, I guess back then it was skipped small group. But yeah, if I skipped small group, you know, the motivation was, well, I have this thing I need to get done. I have this thing that I need to study or whatever. And as I grew in my relationship with Jesus, I've come to realize that and I say it all the time, and this is a great place to add it is, time, things, things dedicated unto God are never going to return void. I've never once, and I, can, and I can tell you this, and I have given a lot of money, and I'm not saying this to boast about myself because it's not, Christ, or it's not me, it's Christ in me. I've given a lot of money to charities or tithes or whatever, I've never once given money to say like feed one and turn around three days later and go, dang it, why did I have to give that money to feed one? Now I'm struggling in this area or now I'm, I'm failing in this area. Like, why did I give that money? I've never once donated money. I've never once given a, a tip from eating out that was like, you know, we always call them like tip bombs is when we just, if, if ever we share about Jesus while we're at the table talking, we, it obligates us. We have to give a tip bomb because I'm not going to share about Jesus and be a bad steward with the money he gave me. And so whenever we go out, if we share about Jesus, I have to give a tip bomb to the, the waiter. And so say I've never, I've never given a tip bomb of 50 bucks when my meal was 20 and turned around two days later and was like, dang it, why did I tip that guy 50 bucks? Never once. In the 13 years that I've walked with Jesus and in the 13 years of, of myself, and that's just money. I've never once gone to a retreat and turned around and go and went, dang it, why did I go to that retreat? Like, I, I was such a waste of time. You know, like I've never gone to men's group and got closer to Jesus and turned around and went, man, that hour I spent at small group, like I could have used that studying. Why did I, what am I doing? It was such a waste of time. I've never turned around. There's not a single thing that I've given to God that I've turned around a week later and regretted. 
not a thing. And so as I've grown in my walk with Christ, I began to realize that even when time is an issue, when money is of an issue, when, when my energy is of an issue, when I give something to God, it will never return void. But the problem is, I've got to ask why. Why am I giving this time? Is it because of Christ's love that compels me or is it a sense of duty or obligation? Because when I give and I do something out of a duty or an obligation, many times it has turned around and bit me in the butt. But when I do something from the true, the, the love of Christ that compels me, when, when Christ's love is really what compels me, I want to go to men's group so that, you know, it's an opportunity for, to, to grow closer to Jesus on my behalf, but also because there might be people who don't really know Jesus, or maybe there's an opportunity for me to share from my life examples now that I've been walking with Jesus for a while. You know, early on, obviously, I didn't have as many life examples. So for me, most of the time, I was going to men's group or going to a small group as an opportunity to grow closer to Jesus. And so that that the love of Christ was always compelling me because I wanted to grow closer to Jesus. And so coming to Chi Alpha, coming to, to large group supers, I look back even as a student. I, I never wanted to miss a large group because I knew that I would get closer to Jesus. And at the same time, I would get closer to the people around me by choosing to go because of Christ. And so when... The love of Christ is what compels us. Those things that we do, and, I, and I'm not talking about money, and I'm not talking about these things as, you know, I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to guilt you or convince you to do something that you're uncomfortable with doing, but I am wanting to ask you why we have a reservation with something and also why we do things. We need to start asking ourselves why with everything in our lives. And so you touched on it a little bit. So if... If you don't share the gospel and you don't reach out to your loved ones and, and share about your faith and, and not in the sense that it, you don't have, it's not like you're going to call Graham Graham up and, Hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. But in through having a relationship with Graham Graham and through having a relationship with your roommate, the conversation is going to eventually because of Christ's love in us, it should compel us to eventually find a way to talk about Jesus with them. And it will. If you're reaching out to your roommate out of love, genuine love, eventually it will come about. It will eventually start to, to trend that direction without us having to force things and, and for our own motivational purposes in order to share the gospel and mark off a check on our to-do list of things we want to do before we die. Like, if it is out of a love for your roommate, if it is out of a love with your sweet mate, if it is out of, of genuine love, it's not going to be, it, it, you know, it, we need to ask why are we afraid of doing that? Why do we have fear? Why do we choose not to do it? Is it popularity? Is it we're afraid of losing that person in our life? A lot of times, more often than not, I don't think it's popularity. I really don't. I think... I think most of the reason why we don't share Jesus with people is because we're afraid of the way that they're going to react to us. But my question is, if you really believe, going back to what you said, if you really believe what you say you believe about Jesus and you really have had an impact with the love of Christ, do you really love that relationship with that person more than you love Jesus? And then vice versa, I think of it this way, I honestly look at it in the opposite. If I don't share about Jesus with this person, what does that show? 
in my opinion, if I don't, if I have a reservation, I choose not to share about Jesus with the people that I love in some capacity, I really believe that it shows that I hate them. Because how could I possibly love Jesus as much as I do and have the, the, the love of Christ in me and not want to share that with somebody? And so our love of that person in that relationship has become an idol if we will not share the gospel with them over the top of having a relationship with Jesus. If we choose not to share Jesus with people, we're valuing that relationship over Jesus. And so then we have to go to why. So then it comes back to what Jordan said. So if we choose not to share the gospel with people, do you really believe what you say you believe about Jesus and Christ and His love? Because if you really believe what you believe about Jesus' love, there's not a soul on this earth that you wouldn't share it with. If you really believe what you say you believe, if you really believe and you have been impacted by Jesus Christ, going back to that scripture, John 10, if you really believe that He chose to lay down His life for you so that we can get into to heaven, if you really believe that it is a matter of heaven and hell, and without Jesus that you will go to hell, if you really believe that Jesus' death on the cross saved you from eternal hell, torture, damnation, whatever you want to call it. If you really believe, now on the reverse side, if you really believe that your sin cost you that, if you really believe that Jesus is dying on the cross, cleansed you of your sin, if you really believe that the cost of sin is death, if you really believe that the cost of sin is what it is, if we really believe all those things, it should, it should drive us because of that relationship with Jesus. It should compel us to throw caution to the wind and to love those around us like we've never loved them before. And so tonight, again, going back to why. So right now, Chi Alpha is not growing. Why? Our small groups are not growing. Why? And I'm, that's not one we need to necessarily answer right this second. And this isn't to, to guilt you or to throw condemnation or anything upon us. Because that's not the point of tonight. I think a lot of this comes back to there's a worship song that says that I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. But instead, I want us to kind of apply it to our lives. I'm coming back to my reason for living because I, I really believe this in my heart that if I don't share the gospel with a single person the rest of my life, then my life isn't worth living. That doesn't mean that if I don't if people don't convert to Christianity, but I'm saying if I don't share the gospel with anybody else for the rest of my life, then my life is not worth living. It would be better that I was in heaven because there's a lot of hell that goes on while we're on earth. And if we're not making a difference in the lives around us, out of a, com a compelling from Jesus and His love first and foremost, then it is not, it's not a life worth living. And so ask yourself this. So the things that we tend to put over Jesus... Now, that's not to say that there's not going to come a time, especially with like Chi Alpha, where you you do have to, to go to a class because you have a group project or something. You know what I'm saying? There are some exceptions where whatever. We're not talking about exceptions. We can go to the extremes. I'm not talking about the extremes. I'm talking about the everyday. When things become more important than opportunities to grow in our relationship with Jesus and things become more important 
than sharing the gospel with those around us. And things become more important than loving our neighbor. When things become more important than the things that Christ compels us to do, why? Why do they become more important? Why are they more important? Because when it really comes down to it, and we're in and on this, and actually, I wouldn't mind pulling up a worship song, singing it together at the end. Or if you want to do another worship song, if you guys would be up for that. If we're not compelled to share the gospel, if we're not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're not loving our neighbors, then what is it saying with our actions about Jesus? I really believe that if we're not spreading the gospel, if we're not loving our neighbor, if we're, if we're putting school over Jesus, if we're putting our job over Jesus, if we're putting disc golf or golf over Jesus, if I put my son over Jesus, uh, we want to go to uncomfortable. If you put your, if you, if you put your mom, your dad, your, your significant other, if you put that person over Jesus, what is it saying about Jesus? Because if Jesus really is who he said he is, and I really truly believe he is who he says he is, then Jesus is going to be my number one at all times. And anybody I put ahead of him, I am saying that this person is more important than God in my life. So let's just take a second, if you wouldn't mind getting your guitar out. Let's take a second and pray. And this this isn't about condemnation. I want to be careful for that. I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not. And I can tell you, Jesus isn't condemning you. It's not about condemnation. So today, well, before we start to worship, I want you to ask Jesus, what are the things that I'm putting before you and why am I putting them before you? And the reason I say that I'm, I'm not condemning you is because even writing this sermon and even sitting here, there's so many things this week that I have put before Christ. Me as your pastor, I have put things before Jesus. This isn't a case of if you have put things before Jesus, then you are a failure. No, that's not the case. We want to get to the heart. We want to get to the why. So the question is, what have I? Because you have. I guarantee you, you have put things before Jesus this week. I'll just, I'll, I'll clear the air. If you feel guilty because you put something before Jesus, stop it because every single person in here has put something before Jesus this week. I guarantee it. It's not, it, it, it is nearly impossible for us to not at times put things before Jesus. And so what have you, not have you, what have you put before Jesus this week? This month, what is what are you putting before Jesus? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to that. And if he answers it, chances are that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Then the next question is why? The why might take a little bit longer to answer. Dying on the cross was more than enough. He still sent the Holy Spirit. Dying on the cross was more than enough, and yet he still guides us. Dying on the cross was more than enough, and yet he still heals us. He still grows bones. He still brings the dead to life. There's nothing that Jesus owes us. He doesn't owe you happiness. He doesn't owe you a job. He doesn't owe you straight A's. God owes you nothing. And yet He gives so freely. So sometimes our why is, why God? 
Why, God, why am I still enduring this? Why, God, have you not relieved this from me? Why, God, have you not healed me from this? Why, God, have you... And I think more often than not, when we're asking, why, God, haven't you done something? More often than not, that we've allowed that thing to become bigger than God in our life. Maybe it's health-related. You've allowed your own health to become bigger than God in your life. Maybe it's another person. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put that at the foot of Jesus and we're going to get back to our real why. We're going to get back to Jesus and we're going to allow His love for us to compel us to worship. And if you haven't caught it yet, the whole point of tonight isn't really about why. Christ's love compels us. That's our why. As Christians, that has to be our why. So really tonight is about the why not. What in our life is taking priority over Christ's love? What in our life has been compelling us to not share the gospel, to not love my neighbor, or even make it more simple, to not come to Chi Alpha, to not invite others to Chi Alpha, to not... We can dumb it down to whatever level we dumb it down, but at some point, whether it be comfort whether it be laziness, pride, fear of rejection, hatred, something, we can lay something down to the foot of the cross. We can always lay something down to the foot of the cross. So the question about tonight, and the whole point of tonight is, what is that next thing? What's that next thing that you are going to lay down? Or what's the next thing you're going to lay down again? Sometimes it's something that keeps popping back up. What is that next thing that needs to be laid down so that you can get closer to Jesus? And again, this isn't about condemnation. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about manipulation or or forcing you to do something that's against your own will. No, this is about you growing closer to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the opportunity for us to grow closer to you. Jesus, we, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you for everything that you have done for us in our lives. I thank you for all of those miracles that you've performed in our life that we know about. And Lord, I thank you for all of the miracles that you've performed in our lives that we don't know about. So Lord, I pray that each student, each, each person in here, Lord, that this week we will be compelled by your love. That the way we live our life will be compelled by your love. Every action, every place we go, When we go to class, we would go to class because we're compelled by your love. When we study, we would study because we are compelled by your love. But also, when we interact with our roommate, when we interact with our sweet mate, when we interact with our classmates, when we interact with the people at the lunch line, when we interact with that person that's just been ticking us off, when we interact with our loved ones, pray that you... And your love, Jesus, would compel us. I pray that each one of these students, Lord, would have abundant time. They would have abundant energy and abundant knowledge to do the things they need to do in order to get the grades they need in their classes this week as midterms are approaching us and are here. Lord, I pray that you would guide each one of these students and give them the energy that they need in order to study the right way to get good grades. And Lord, I pray that... None of these students would fear losing time. 
for your behalf. And none of them would be afraid of getting out of their comfort zone a little bit this week. Lord, we give it completely over to you for your will to be done. It's in your name we pray. Amen.